our bodies are what carry our souls and are what allow us to experience life. It allows us to experience hugs and vacations and kisses and just like being here. Hello and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast where you'll hear from thought leaders in a wave of goodness and progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and introduce you to people who are paving the way for a better world for all of us. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, We've written thousands of articles about insight and innovation going uncelebrated. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are starting to share with everyone now. Today, we're going to meet Julia Parsik. Julia has an amazing mission to help take us all away from this commitment to body type. I don't know if there's a better way to explain that. And Julia, I'm going to let you do a much better job than that. But the whole world is focusing on how we should look. And you've got a beautiful message about how we should be in the world. And, and, and that's so much more important. So Julia, welcome. Give us, a, give us a, an introduction of your work. And the full- yeah, thank you for having me. Well, my name is Julia Parzik. I'm also known as... Fit, fat, and all that on Instagram. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach, and I would say like a body acceptance influencer. And my work, I work with women in helping them find a healthy relationship with their bodies, food, and movement. And really, just the message that I put out there is just moving away from this idea that our body and the way that we look is the most important thing about us, and really finding our self worth um, in who we are as people versus what we look like. A beautiful mission, if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. So much of what we see in in the mass media is all about the visual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, we live in a very visual type world, especially now everybody's online, Zoom calls, Instagram, TikTok. So it's easy to get wrapped up in, into it for sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story so we understand how you came to the insights you have. Yeah. So I struggled with an eating disorder for 10 years. It started when I was about 13 or 14. Grew up in a very like loving family, but my mom struggled with an eating disorder and so did my sister and I. It's a psychosocial disorder. So it can be genetics. It can be due to the environment that you live in, society. But yeah, really struggled with my body image. I was bulimic um, for a couple of years. And then my eating disorder kind of looked like what a lot of people do, which I thought for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm healthy. I'm dieting. I'm doing all of this. And in our society, like disordered eating is so common. And so I was you know, weighing myself all the time, really struggling with body image, um, really just felt like my value and worth came from how I looked. And it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles, I grew up in Michigan, which Los Angeles is like the Mecca of eating disorders and body image issues. <laughs> so I was like, maybe if I move here, I need to like seek some, some help. And so I ended up investing in an eating disorder therapist in a registered dietitian and working through my traumas and my eating disorder and really just healing all of that. And I can say now that I'm fully recovered from my eating disorder, and I just found so much passion in working in that area, learning about it. I love mental health. My mom's a pediatrician and I just, I I really loved mental health. And so I ended up being trained through recovery, loving care. My, one of my best friends, Jane Mattingly, and I coach underneath her. And yeah, I, I think I've been coaching for about two years now. And it is like a dream come true. It is like the absolute best job in the world. So yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am today in a short, short little story. Well, I'll tell you, I did a lot of reading up on your work and there there were so many things. I've got two pages of concepts to ask you about. And I think that this conversation 
aims at something that that I think we're all looking for right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to remove the struggles that just aren't necessary. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> at the time of this this uh, conversation, we're exactly one year into the pandemic. So crazy. So crazy. And, oh, I think this past year, I don't know about you, you personally, Julia, but it feels like it's just one thing after another. Like, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> and like, all I have time to do is stamp out fires. I don't get to be productive. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at your work, I saw a lot of things on a high level that are just good, practical, common sense about putting things in perspective that we're up against. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we can do for anybody, regardless of their personal connection to eating disorders or body image and all that, is help people with what your vision of what's possible is. Because what you're talking about are a lot of practical ways to, not, I don't know if we can do away with the unnecessary struggles in our lives, but to really put them in perspective. Mm-hmm. So let's try, let's, let's start with something that I loved that I, I heard you talking about in one of your podcasts, or maybe it was something that I read that you were, that you'd written. Let's talk about small wins, daily small yes. So tell us about that concept. Yeah, especially right now, you know, our normal world was kind of taken away from us. And I think a lot of people, at least I saw with the work that I do, an influx of people wanting to work with me, you're home alone, your mental illnesses are coming up, your old unhelpful behaviors are coming up. And so everything's just feeling a little exacerbated right now. And so one thing I do with my clients is this idea of small wins. Um, Because I think a lot of the time we live in this world, we're like, well, I didn't get this done or I'm not here. And it's like these big ideas of needing to finish so much at, at a time. And we're living in a global pandemic. Like everything's just difficult. We're a lot more anxious, a lot more depressed than we normally are. And so I always have my clients check in with me on a daily basis to let them to let me know what their small wins for, are for the day. So it could be as simple as I got up and I washed my face or I completed my to-do list or I got outside and I took a quick walk and really validating and acknowledging the awesome things you've done for yourself throughout the day because I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for doing the hard things especially if you struggle with anxiety or depression or any other mental illness. Sometimes basic hygiene is the hardest and best thing that you can do for yourself. And it seems so difficult in that moment. I mean, it seems also so trivial, maybe when when you are feeling better, that this idea of congratulating yourself for small wins can, can make such a difference in feeling like you've accomplished something for the day. Right. Okay. So the, the nuts and bolts of that is, do you think about what the small wins are at the beginning of the day as if it was, well, if I get this, this, and this done, I'll be content. Or do you just simply do it at the end of the day, looking back? I mean, it kind of depends on like what works better for each person. I usually start my day with a to-do list of things that I need to get done. Obviously, sometimes that doesn't always happen. So I like my clients to do it as a nightly checking kind of a recap of the day of like, okay, these are, these are the small wins I had for the day. I had a difficult conversation with my boyfriend. I went to the post office and I completed this, or I did some self care for myself today and I cooked myself a nourishing meal. So it could honestly be anything and everything. And I think a lot of the time my clients are like, well, this doesn't feel like a small win. I feel like I shouldn't celebrate these things. And it's like, why aren't we celebrating things? Adulting's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Especially in these times. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great little tip. Now, another thing that I really, really like that you talk about in, in that light, and it probably has something to do with this, is you have um, a lot of comments here and there about how you're curating your incoming a lot. I, that's a really broad term for, for what I think you're talking about. But, you know, you're be, being careful to surround yourself with your most positive friends. You're being Mm -hmm. careful about what you give your attention to on social media and what you read and what you listen to. Talk to us about how you're creating what's coming into your world. Yeah. 
you know, especially now that we're all on our phones a lot, we have to be really mindful of the content that we're consuming. I all the time see with my clients, um, we, we in our first couple of sessions, we talk about who are you following on social media? If you're getting onto social media and you're finding that my energy feels depleted, I'm feeling crappy about myself, I'm just not really feeling energized and, and empowered every time I get off social media... Maybe let's look at what content you're consuming and how often you're consuming it. If someone with an eating disorder is going on to their page and all it is is diets and fitspo and workouts, yeah, they're going to think that everybody's doing that all the time. And then there's this expectation that I have to look like that. If If you're following pages that are a little bit more fat positive, body positive, all about mental health and anxiety and more empowering, then it's going to be a different type of um, situation for yourself when you leave. You're going to leave feeling more empowered. You're going to feel more grounded. You're going to feel better about yourself. So being really mindful of is if someone makes me not feel good, it's my job to not follow them or mute them. It's not their job to create content for me that makes me feel better. I'm the one that's in charge of what I consume. And so it's like putting you in the driver's seat of, okay, what do I want to consume? What's going to feel good for me? And what's going to make me feel empowered versus disempowered and crappy? Absolutely. You know, one of our things here at Ever Widening Circles and the Conspiracy of Goodness is that we tell people to pay attention to what you're giving your attention to. Absolutely. So I loved your notion, and I think it was one of the podcasts where you said, like, take a very hard look at your oh, yeah. feed, what you're following. This is this is just real practical, right? Yeah, and it makes such it can, a difference. <laughs> yes, and it can be even be, you know, whether you're following a bunch of breaking news sites or... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are leaving you uncomfortable if things are leaving you feeling like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Right. <laughs> Those are good yeah, things I, to follow. <laughs> absolutely. I know so like my parents watch, my dad watches so much CNN and I'm just like, maybe you're feeling a little anxious because all you're doing is consuming the depressing news. And it's like, of course, it's important to stay up to date, but also being really mindful of, I don't have to consume everything at once. Yes. I I, I just, I loved that very, the very sort of <laughs> obvious common sense practicalness of that. Just yeah. take, take stock of what's there and unfollow. And you can probably feel like you pulled a rabbit out of a hat. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a different experience when you're following pages that are aligned with your values and like what you stand for. It makes a huge difference. So in that light, let's dive down the rabbit hole of social media. Because I'm sh- what I tell people, I'm sure you've got a lot to comment about what's helpful on social media and thoughtful and what's not helpful and thoughtful. That that's yeah. my new kind of mantra. When I'm not I don't tell people to 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 do away with all their social media accounts. I still want to see my sister's new puppy. I still yeah. want to see my niece's new baby. But when I go there, I go there with purpose. I say, mm-hmm. I want to see that new puppy or that new baby. And then I go back to my real life. I mean, before there was a an internet, we lived our lives. Right? But, you know, so much of social media is comparison without context. Mm -hmm. Tell us what, what works for you with social media. Yeah, I think too, especially in this like influencer celebrity world, you know, we have to keep in mind that it's a highlight reel. Like people are showing their best selves. And what I really appreciate about a lot of the friends that I follow is the realness that people talk about. Maybe when someone's struggling with a depressive situation or they're struggling with their anxiety or they're talking about their bad body image or whatever they're going through, I really appreciate the authenticity because it shows that, hey, maybe my life seems so great, but I also struggle with X, Y, and Z. Because I think a lot of the time what we see with influencers is like, oh, they're in Bali, they're swimming with dolphins, they're doing X, Y, and Z, their life must be perfect, they have a wonderful relationship, but none of us really know what it looks like behind closed doors. And being in this world, I realized that a lot of people aren't truthful with 
how their life really is. I've met a lot of these type of people and I'm like, you seem miserable and are not happy. And so, and, and then it's like almost, I'm, I'm sure they feel this need to kind of keep up, keep, to keep up with this image. And I just so appreciate when people are just honest and vulnerable and open that like everybody has a struggle. Everybody has hard times and it's ridiculous for us to pretend that we don't. And so I think just keeping in mind that if you get yourself into this comparison to remind yourself that we're all human, we all struggle, we're all part of this human experience where, you know, we have hard days and maybe we just don't post about them and that's okay. But keeping in mind that nobody's life is perfect. That is such a, such a courageous way to use social media. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's just, I see people that post all of this perfect stuff all the time and I know that they're not happy. And I'm like, this is so disheartening. Well, I think this is part of the beauty within, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. When we know someone as a whole person struggles and all, we, the colorful part of them seems even more radiant, right? Absolutely. Seems even more sort of precious as a part of the whole. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown and I have a quote in my office that says vulnerability is the cornerstone of confidence. And I just, I love that quote. And I think everybody kind of wants to, to come off like everything's perfect. And when we can actually share and be vulnerable and authentic, like that's when we make true connections with people. Absolutely. That is so, so true. So let's make sure through the rest of our conversation that we share things like Brene Brown books that we love, podcast episodes that we love. Yes. I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk to people about Brene because her oh, the best talk. Oh my gosh. I know. She gives me chills. <laughs> She's the best. It, it's it, if you ha- if you don't know Brene Brown's work, look it up. Look at her very first TED Talk. And I'll tell you, her second TED Talk, where she tells about the first one, how it came about. The Netflix special. is just as funny. She's got a great sense of humor. But mm-hmm. I think that she made vulnerability possible. I, 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 Absolutely. I don't know. Something happened after her TED Talk. I know that not everyone in the world saw it. But I do believe it's one of the most watched, viewed TED Talks ever. Oh, yeah. The 35 million zone now, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. On vulnerability, look it up. Renee Brown, TED Talk, vulnerability is a good one to put there. And then you've, have you seen her in the arena one? Yeah, with the call to courage. That's really so good. good. Yeah. yeah. I've read so many of her books. Her podcast is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you are, are looking to expand on the conversation that, that Julie and I are having, there's a good place to start for sure. Absolutely. And, and so let's go, let's take this opening to start on a little bit of a conversation about this Love My Shape movement. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, and you and I were just kind of briefly talking about um, body image and stuff before, but, you know, we live in a world where we're kind of told what body shape is better. There's like a hierarchy And this whole idea of loving my shape is knowing that like, we all have different body shapes and, you know, we, our genetics are all different. And this idea that we're all going to fit into this, this perfect little box of, you know, having a thin waist, having a big butt, having like perky boobs, like all these things. It's just like, I mean, we can't keep up with the expectations. And so this idea of loving my shape is just like really embracing and understanding that you know, the more we try to force our bodies to be something they're not, the sicker we become and really just embracing our shape, embracing the fact that so many women are, we come in all shapes and sizes and not one size is better than the other. And I love just seeing on social media now, because I've curated such like a wonderful feed, like all of the different shapes, sizes, and colors on my feed. It's just like so great to see and so empowering. So I love this whole place that we're moving to. I I think we are so fortunate to have this as a movement in our times. You know, when I was very, very young, there was a very popular character in the media called, of all things, Twiggy. Yes. (laughs) And I mentioned this to you right before we started recording, and you said your mom has told you about this this woman named Twiggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
something else. Now, this was probably, I was born in 1960. So I'm guessing I was still very young, but young enough to be a, a very impressionable about mm-hmm. the fact that, that we were supposed to be some, we were supposed to be akin to somebody called Wiggy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she was the iconic beauty of the times. And, and you you commented that it was that heroin addict chic. <laughs> heroin chic. That was a look. It was very the like Kate Moss, very thin. And listen, like there are people who naturally are that way, but like not all of us are going to fit into that box. It's impossible. Well, and you know, that goes back to something that my dad, my dad was a physician, one of the last of the Mohicans that did surgery, delivered your baby, sewed up your kid in the emergency room. <laughs> and he had his home phone number. And he used to say, Linda, you know, don't don't shoot for that. You were built for the Ice Age. If you just, a thousand years, 10,000 years ago, you would have been just fine. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. And he really taught me to appreciate the fact that we all are, in a way, honoring our ancestors when we honor our body type. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we forget that depending on where we come from, the way we look is going to be vastly different. And if we're comparing ourselves to what Twiggy looks like or what Kim Kardashian or all these people, like it's going to be impossible. Like we have to understand that genetically our bodies are meant to be a certain way and we can't, we can't fight against genetics. We just can't. No. And you know, the fact that we're here means our ancestors body type was a good thing. It allowed yeah. us to survive and thrive enough that we're here. Um, Absolutely. You know, I remember time when I grew up, obviously, if Twiggy was a thing, I remember being, let's see, what would I be? Now, I'm pleasantly plump by most people's standards, if that's a thing. But, you know, I'm not hung up about it or anything like that. I was a hundred pounds lighter. Wow. I weighed, I weighed almost nothing. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and not being able to tell what I look like. Mm-hmm. I remember laying out in the sun one day and I had a bikini on and my hip bones were sticking up so far mm-hmm. that I could look down my stomach and see my pubic hairs. And I was that like, oh, that yeah. was a thing. Like that that was a thing on those like pro anorexia sites that I was chatting with you about that, like, that was a goal was like, I want my rib, bo- like my hip bones yeah. to stick out that much. And it's I just like, I what? That. I thought, oh yeah. Body dysmorphia is a real I, thing. I really, I really remember a moment in time. I was probably 14, 15 thinking I was fat. Mm-hmm. And this is a giant problem. And I don't remember anybody planting that seed. I think it was just about culture. What culture? Yeah. The constant messaging. Absolutely. So tell me about if we're going in the right direction with the messaging. Give me, give me a bunch of examples of the fact that we are going the right direction with the messaging. Yeah. I think now, I mean, we live still in a very fat phobic society and that's why I use the word fat in my Instagram name because Growing up, I was called fad. I was called lard ass, like all these types of things and just like awful, awful names. And at the time, being called fat to me was like the worst thing that you could be called. It's like we associate people that are fat as unhealthy, lazy, unmotivated, not worthy of love. You can't take them seriously. All they do is sit around and eat all day. And The thing is, is some people are just going to be in larger fat bodies and it doesn't mean anything about them as people. And what I'm loving seeing today is this embracing of just all bodies. And what I can't stand on social media that I still see is this people policing other people's health. People saying, well, because you're fat, you're unhealthy or X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, why are we caring about other people's health? It's none of our business. And so I just really love what I'm seeing of, you know, fat bodies, larger bodies on the cover of Cosmopolitan, like how empowering and wonderful to see some women that have stretch marks, that have bellies. And I love companies like Aerie that don't Photoshop their, their pictures. They have stretch marks. They have acne. They have bellies. 
They have different ranges of women. And that's what we need to see more of. And what I'm loving is a company called Savage Fenty by Rihanna. It's a lingerie company. But what she's been doing is she is now having more inclusivity with male models, which I love. And so men with bellies, men with stretch marks, men in fat bodies or larger bodies, because the same thing goes for men. And so I'm loving to see the diversity for both genders. This is so important. I was hoping we could we could get, get expand it out to men because you know it is there's no doubt that women <laughs> my gosh if we had a gymnastic sort of a, yeah. <laughs> accounting of what we're supposed to look like. Have you ever seen that video that goes back like 400 years and looks at portraiture over the centuries? Yes. Of, of what beauty was? My it's crazy. God. There's no way we can keep up. <laughs> no, but but there are so many stereotypes put on men who mm-hmm. for their body type as well. And it, again, it comes back to genetics. If you absolutely, if your ancestors had to live somewhere where they had to control body heat, they're going to look one way. If they were fortunate enough to avoid scarcity, they're going to look another way. And absolutely. So let's pause for a minute because I love this this conversation, the direction we're going. I want to take a break because I'm going to tell you about a phenomenal platform that Everwidening Circles has started. We've just launched the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, a place where anybody who's interested in making the world a better place can find each other. So let's take a break and I'll come back and we'll pick up where we left off. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day? We have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where All of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world. Those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. So, okay, Julia, take us down this road that we had started down a bit right before the break. You like to say that your body is your home. Mm-hmm. I bet you have a, a number of analogies that you take back to that. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. I mean, you think of, I mean, for example, this is my office. It feels so warm and cozy. You can't see it if you're listening, but I really curate it to make me feel happy and good and grounded. And if we're not doing that for our bodies, our bodies are what carry our souls and are what allow us to experience life. It allows us to experience hugs and vacations and kisses and just like being being here. And if we're not taking care of it, if we're speaking to it unkindly, if we're throwing trash on it, if I 
took my office and I just like dumped my garbage can out. It's kind of like if I said all these mean things about my body, it's kind of like throwing trash on it. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel comforting. It's not going to feel like home. And so knowing that like, and I like to call my body sometimes like an earth suit, like we're just here to experience life and we wouldn't be able to do it without our bodies. And so we need to speak to them kindly. We need to take care of them and we need to to have grace and compassion for that. That is a profound way of thinking about, I love metaphors. Mm-hmm. That's a profound way of accepting what you've got. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. my men is my little nest and, and I've been gone for a month and my husband said he came in here still every day and had coffee. And, and oh, I love that. Because it, it felt like at least he had that much of my presence in here. Yeah. But it is constrained. It's a teeny tiny room and and we all have constraints. But I, I love your comments there about almost accepting limitations and thinking of it in an expanded way. So tell me more about this happy place weight. Mm-hmm. Drive in some someplace that there's a happy place weight. And I think that's about me accepting that this little room I decorated so perfectly is <laughs> for my desk and offer. <laughs> Everything. So there is a happy place wait for each one. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that in my own life too. Tell us about that. Yeah. So for the longest time, I thought I was always supposed to be losing five or 10 pounds. I didn't, I didn't really know that like, I didn't have to always want to lose weight. We, I, I remember talking with girlfriends all the time and family of like, Oh, I just need to lose five more pounds. I need to lose 10 more pounds. And then when we do, we want to lose five more pounds. We want to lose 10 more pounds. And so it's just this ongoing cycle and health at every size is such a wonderful book that talks about this set point weight. And this set point weight is where our bodies naturally sit when we're happy and healthy. And so that means not only engaging in joyful movement, movement that feels good for you and not forcing yourself to do it, but also eating the foods that you love and enjoy. So if you love pizza and you love fries and you love burgers, but you're never allowing yourself to eat that because you want to be at a smaller weight, it's probably not your happy weight. So knowing that your happy weight is when you are allowing yourself to enjoy all of the things that you enjoy and moving your body in a way that feels intuitive for you and not forceful. And for me, especially as women too, like our our happy weight definitely fluctuates a little bit more just because of hormones and all that stuff. But I used to yo-yo between like 20 and 30 pounds when I was dieting. And now I, you know, maybe here and there, five and 10 pounds, I don't weigh myself anymore, but you can obviously tell when you put clothes on if they're a little tighter or looser. But my weight has pretty much stayed the same over the last five years, depending on where I was. But yeah, and and I eat the foods that I want to eat and I move my body when I want to and I don't have to stress about my weight anymore. Yeah, there's some there's some sweet spot, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Stay with the, you know, your body's the home for your soul. You know, we can let things go from time to time and, and just, just enjoy in, in a moment of rapture we can't go excessively in rapture every day, every minute of the day. I know what I, I would have, I would be very unhealthy if I followed that impulse over a cliff every time. Mm -hmm. Food is a part of our genetics. I mean, everything about our our daily lives 30,000 years ago was about getting enough calories to survive one more day. Yeah. And it's an emotional connection. I mean, breastfeeding. It's like the first emotional bond you have with your mother and it it has to do with food. And I think we forget that like food is an emotional thing and it's meant to be enjoyed. And if we're not allowing ourselves to eat the food that we enjoy, then we find ourselves binging or eating, you know, overeating on things because we don't allow ourselves to have them on a regular basis. We're living a restrictive lifestyle at some point your body is going to ask for those things and then we overdo it and then we feel guilty. So there's a joy in celebrating our cultures that is so good as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can't live in a constant state of denying ourselves. No, it was such a boring life to live. I've done it and I was miserable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So 
I'm sure that we can't, we, that we're very, very close. We're dancing all around the edges of this very important conversation that, that we need to have in society about our, what I call the, our mental chatter. Mm-hmm. So there's a constant running dialogue in our head related to what we look like, comparison, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Talk to me about your, your best advice and what you see is helpful and unhelpful as far as our mental chatter. Yeah. So, I mean, our brains are supposed to make noise. And I think we forget that we don't have to listen to all of our thoughts. I see with a lot of my clients that they think that all of their thoughts, especially their eating disorder ones, are true and valid. And we forget that sometimes our brain can come up with some really crazy intrusive thoughts like, oh, what if I veered off the side of the road? Obviously, we're not going to do that it's okay and normal that sometimes our brain will think of some crazy things like that where we're like, ooh, that's kind of dark. But what we need to do and focus on is observing and watching our thoughts instead of becoming them. So a lot of the time we think that our thoughts are true and valid and we, we see them as fact. And sometimes thoughts are just thoughts. And so what I like to do with my clients when we're working on taking a look at their thoughts and learning to diffuse them or reframe them. And The Happiness Trap is such a wonderful book for diffusion of thoughts. So highly recommend checking that book out. But I like to do a thought record with them. And so you could even Google thought record and there's like a little worksheet that's so wonderful. And I always advise writing down some thoughts that are coming up for you really, really often. So something that's, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. He's not going to love me. All of these thoughts that are coming up for you quite often, I advise you to write them down. And then our thoughts, acknowledge that our thoughts can be irrational or rational. So a lot of the time our thoughts are irrational and we're like, okay, this is a crazy thought. We don't really need to give too much power to that one. And our thoughts always come first. So we'll have a situation and then we'll have thoughts and then we have emotions. So I want you to acknowledge and validate the emotion that you're feeling. So I am feeling frustrated because X. A lot of the time we don't validate how we're feeling because maybe we feel shame about it. We feel embarrassment, but it's really freeing to acknowledge and validate what we're feeling. And then usually after our emotions, we have behaviors. So a lot of the time, if we are in an eating disorder, we choose unhelpful behaviors. So I want you to ask yourself, what would be a more helpful versus unhelpful behavior? And I want you to choose a helpful behavior. So maybe I'm having a bad body day and instead of restricting food, I'm going to actually nourish my body with a meal and I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to journal. So those would be some helpful behaviors. And then to come up with a more alternate helpful thoughts to kind of diffuse the initial one. So it's kind of, I just talked a lot, but the more you do it, the more often you can put this into practice, the easier it gets for you to just do it kind of naturally. And this is how we reframe and rewire the way our brain works. You know, I love your comment there about writing down your thoughts because I I can imagine many of us, if we actually had to write down and read... You would be like, oh my gosh, why am I saying all of these things to myself all day? (laughs) Imagine. Yeah, it puts things into perspective because subconsciously we kind of just hear that chatter. But when we write it down or we talk it out with someone, it's kind of like, oh crap, like I'm I'm mean. I'm mean to myself. And I I need to reframe the way I speak. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in our effort at ever widening circles and the conspiracy of goodness to nurture a new era. This, this is what we're all about at the conspiracy of goodness network is gathering people together who are capable of, of coming together and opening a new era. Love that. Thoughtful and helpful. And what, what we notice over and over again is how critical positive or negative the stories we are telling ourselves are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can tell ourselves some really twisted stories. Oh, yeah. Other about, about reality, about the world. You know, what are, what do you see in that's helpful in people practicing uh, paying attention to the stories they're telling themselves? Absolutely. So there's actually a really great tip in the happiness trap about, oh, I'm telling myself that story again, that I'm not good enough. And it's just like such a practical, quick way to be like, oh, 
there my brain goes again saying that story. And one thing that Brene Brown uses that I love is talking about your insecurities and these thoughts or stories that you're telling yourself. And she uses this phrase when maybe you want to talk, I'll give the example of say, maybe my boyfriend and I are out and I'm feeling insecure because he's talking to a woman at the bar or something. And I'm telling myself, he's going to leave me. He's not going to love me. Uh, Carl's thinks this woman's more attractive than me. All of these things. So the story I'm telling myself is that Carl finds this other woman attractive and that he isn't going to love me and he's going to leave me. So what can be really helpful in situations like that is talking to your partner about these things and saying, hey, babe, man, the story I'm telling myself is that you find this woman really attractive and you don't love me anymore and you're not going to leave me. Is that story true? And of course, Carl's going to be like, absolutely not. Like, babe, thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think a lot of the time we feel so much shame about these insecurities or thoughts that we may have that we keep them in. And if we keep them in, then that shame builds. And then as Brene Brown calls it, these shame gremlins just become worse. And so when we can share our insecurities, when we can share our shame, we can openly talk about them and acknowledge like, oh, that's kind of a crazy thought. Or we can have our partner validate that those stories aren't true. So I love the the story I'm telling myself is blank. Is that true? Absolutely. This is part of protecting our own dignity and the dignity of others. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that will be part of the new era that we open is that people who are openly not protecting the dignity of others and who are using shame really I think there's a new social contract happening and there yeah. that on social media or in the news are going to look more and more out of touch with time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I really think that's part of what's giving us all this impulse to just shut off social media. Mm-hmm. We're less and less comfortable with other people not protecting others' dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is a, a trend, I think, that is going to go in the right direction over time. I sure hope so. <laughs> so when I talk about how we get to a, a world that includes the vision you have for honoring our body types and our ancestors that are that are there, that we're looking at in the mirror, and celebrating the differences and diversity and all that stuff that we, that we know is the positive way to go in, in a shared future. You talk about four steps to healing body image. I listened to a podcast that you you and Devin did on that. And the first one is practice mindful consumption. So we've danced around that a lot in our conversation today, but let's just really lay it on the line. What do you mean by practice mindful consumption? Yeah. So I haven't bought a magazine and gosh, I don't know how long magazines are so toxic, especially like us weekly. I remember buying them all the time from Walgreens or the airport and seeing how much they judged women and other people's bodies. And so I was like, through my eating disorder recovery, I was like, not reading that crap anymore because it's terrible. And then I also went through my following and I was seeing what pages am I following? What content am I consuming? And if it doesn't make me feel good, unfollow it or or mute it. Sometimes maybe it's our friends on a diet or whatever. We don't necessarily have to unfollow them. We can just mute them. They're not going to know. But if you are seeing pages that make you feel crappy about yourself, please please unfollow them. It is your job to create a feed and content that feels good for you. So I highly recommend just going through your Instagram. And if you don't like some of the content or if it's making you feel crappy about yourself, hit the unfollow button and then stop buying things like magazines that like talk crap about people all the time and be mindful of the shows you watch, commercials, even mute commercials. Just be really mindful of what type of messaging you're receiving. Because when we have awareness around it, then we can make the choice of whether or not we want to listen to it. Because just if we're mindlessly watching shows and then the commercials are talking about Atkins diet and blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, oh, maybe I should try that diet. Being really aware of what content you're consuming at that moment. Great. Okay. Number two is be aware of your thoughts 
and we've just finished talking about this this head talk and the stories we're telling ourselves. But basically, I, what I hear you saying in in that is this universal need to pay attention to what we're giving our attention to. Absolutely, yeah. I always tell my clients. If, if you're in a bind and you're, you don't have time to go through this thought record, ask yourself, is this thought helpful or unhelpful for me? And if it's unhelpful, then tell yourself, okay, I don't have time to listen to that right now. I'm going to think of something more helpful and I'm going to move on. So I, the reason I, I'm smiling, I wish people could see, this is the exact advice I give people um, on social media in my efforts to improve people's digital or online lives, is that when they're going through, like we mentioned, go to Facebook or wherever to see your sister's new baby and then get off. But when you're there, if you're distracted by something that doesn't look thoughtful or helpful, it has to be those two things. Mm -hmm. thoughtful and helpful. Do not give it your attention. Do not click on it. Hear it. Do not anything because people are counting our clicks. People are paying attention to what we're giving our attention to. And that's absolutely right. Yeah. What you've learned is, is that what you give your attention to expands on in your digital life too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It goes the other way. It goes the positive direction too, right? Yeah. My like explore page is now full of body positivity and all these wonderful pages and everything like that. And that's because I engage with pages and content that fills me up and makes me feel empowered. So yeah, definitely engage in things that feel good because then you're going to see more of it. Yeah, just the way the algorithms will feed us, whatever we click. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we have all the power there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, the number thir- third is about the inner critic. Yeah. We talked a fair amount about that. What's the real concise piece of advice you can give people about the inner critic? Yeah, I think befriending it because I like this idea of, you know, you think of uh, the bully at school and if we try to if we try to be mean to the bully at school, usually it backfires. You know, it doesn't really happen and usually that bully is someone that's experiencing some trauma or some hurts. And so really understanding that our inner critic sometimes comes up because maybe we're feeling triggered, maybe we're feeling insecure, maybe we're feeling stressed out or anxious. And so Instead of coming at your inner critic with this, oh, I can't stand you, get away from me, coming at it from a place of compassion and grace and saying, what is this inner inner critic trying to tell me right now? Does it need some love and compassion? Can I be kind to myself? Maybe your inner child is coming out because it's feeling triggered by a situation. So instead of being mad at your inner critic, be a little bit more curious about it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Curiosity will save the day in the coming new era. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that if if we can change contempt to curiosity, we've got this. Contempt Love that. for ourselves, contempt for our body types, contempt for whoever. If we can change that to curiosity, we can understand a lot better and um, we can hold things that are hard in, in our hand. Yeah, I love that. They will never go away. They will never go away. Okay. And the fourth thing you mentioned is ask for support. And we haven't talked very much about that, but I don't want to finish this interview without expanding on that notion. Like we've talked about being authentic and including people in our circle and our vulnerabilities. Tell me more about asking for support. Yeah, we don't have to do it alone. We're not meant to do it alone. And knowing that there are professionals and experts that can talk to you about any problem that you have, therapists, coaches, counselors. I mean, there's just an abundance of people that are there to help you. And it's worth investing in yourself to talk and have that support. Like you do not have to, nor should you do any of this alone. And that was one thing I I really realized through my own recovery was like, oh man, like thank goodness for these mental health professionals because I I couldn't have done it on my own or it would have taken a lot longer. So knowing that there's no shame in asking for support. No, and the people that go into these loving avocations, they, they, they are in it in the service of others. Oh yeah. And it brings us so much joy to help people get to a place of groundedness and comfort and freedom. So it, it, it feels wonderful to be able to help. So know that like you are not a burden to other people. 
Yeah. And, and this is what we're built to do. We're built to seek the comfort of others and to give it when, when yeah. called. So yeah. I, I love that notion. Yeah. That, this is something that, that I think has really improved light years in society. Absolutely. That, that we're, we can all ask for help. That's lovely. So yeah. there's one last question that I ask all my guests. What reminds you every day that it's still an amazing world. That's our tagline at Ever Widening mm. Circles. We say everwideningcircles.com. It is still an amazing world. Mm. So something that that happens nearly daily or that you reflect on. Yeah, I I'm just surrounded by so many wonderful people. I have such a great support group. And anytime I spend time with my boyfriend, Carl, or talk to my family or hang out with my friends or grab coffee with someone. I'm just always so fulfilled and grateful and reminded about the goodness in people. That is lovely. That is the greatest way is to seek the light in others. Absolutely. That's it's, it's going to be a never a disappointment. That's for sure. Yeah. It's out there. (laughs) Okay. Where is the best place for people to keep up with your phenomenal work? Tell tell us yeah. where people can go next. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram, fit, fat, and all that. Um, and also my website is fitfatandallthat.com. Yeah. There's some lovely things there. Very, uh, much more into Julia's ethos and her mission and vision of what's possible for, for us all. It's, it's a lovely website. Very, very well done. Oh, thank you. I had a hard time creating it. <laughs> oh, it's no, it's, it's lovely. I'm good at technology. So. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give Squarespace a little shout out because I noticed it's yes. a website. And Squarespace is the best. I know we've built, I think we probably have 11 different websites. That's so uh, awesome not for just everyone service, but between my kids and my, yeah, and everything else. Lovely. And it's a great way to, to build out a footprint, a digital footprint. Absolutely. Yes. What you want to be seen as in the world. Lovely. So for more information about Julia's work or any of the books or the podcasts or the subjects we mentioned, check out the show notes for links below. And thanks to our affiliate partners for providing their support through this whole ever-widening circles adventure. They prove that it is still an amazing world as well. And remember to check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. I'm not sure that my daughter, who whose project that is, would love me describing it this way, but I always think of it like the best of the four, the big four social media platforms without all the mean... Mm, love that. <laughs> She, it's a it's a vetted network, so you you have to you have to apply to to get in, and it's not that hard to get in. But I, I love tell that. You, we're wanting a place to create a place where people can come together around opening a new era. Love and uh, as always, dive into the Everwinding Circles universe by visiting ewc.co, where you'll find articles about amazing things happening in the world that aren't rising to the top of the internet or the news. And I hope all these connections to goodness and progress will carry you through your week and you start finding all that joy and wonder we've been talking about. Thanks, Julia. Bye.